Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. I am here with Daniel Cerventis, who is the founding curator of TEDxKL, and he's also the regional ambassador for TEDx in Malaysia and Southeast Asia. Daniel, how are you? Are you Dan or Daniel? Uh, just call me Daniel. Okay, Daniel. Great. How I I love I want to hear more about regional ambassador for Malaysia. That that's what a title. That sounds great. Uh, yeah. So uh, th- firstly, thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to be on the show. Uh, Ted actually have a whole bunch of uh, ambassadors uh, around, and uh, we uh, we been organizing uh, TEDx in. In KL, pretty much from the start, and uh, so there are a whole bunch of people who are actually ambassadors that actually help out uh, with other organizers around the region uh, in terms of uh, answering questions or giving them advice or sharing knowledge. So uh, that's what we've been doing actually. And when did you? So you say from the start. So were you in two thousand nine or two thousand ten? 2009, way back. Oh my gosh! So were you one of the first? 50 TEDs? TEDx? Yes, I, yep, we yeah. are. Do you happen to know which one you were exactly? Sounds like you I, might. <laughs> I, I believe number 36, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Oh, yeah, I'm going to guess you. it was exactly number 36. I So I want to know, Daniel, what, tell me your, your TED story. How did you, you know, how did you come on the radar of TED or how did it come on your radar? And, and I want to hear that story because I bet you that's a good one. Uh, I, I think it's a bit funny because uh, at that point in time, I was doing a, a lot of uh, uh, community activities in KL, mostly based on startup and innovation and, and uh, connect, connecting different communities around. And uh, a friend, I, I think, uh, kind of, uh, she was actually, uh, she told me about, uh, oh, uh, Ted is going to start this thing uh, called TEDx, and I think you are uh, going to be perfect for it because uh, you you know what Ted is, uh, and also you are, you're a big fan. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I applied and then, uh, we got it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you were, I mean, back in the day, you know, there's, you know, number 36, all of the processes and all of those things weren't as, you know, in place as they are now. Tell me what was it like you know, you didn't have, there was very little support system. You kind of had to figure things out for yourself. How did you do on your first one? So there's actually a, a guideline, but there's, uh, there's uh, Lara Stein. I'm not too sure you know who yeah, is sure. she. Yeah, sure. Of course I do. Sure, of course. Yes. So Lara was super helpful in terms of a lot of things. And But the other thing is that we found each other. So uh, in different organizers found each other. And we didn't, we have a really different expectation in terms of uh, what, TEDx was back then, and uh, so like uh, Dave 
from TEDx Singapore, uh, who's also a, a, a TEDx ambassador, uh, was one of the first few friends that I have uh, among the different TEDx organizers, and uh, I'm, I'm most I'm mostly uh, connected with a lot of the uh, guys from East Asia, India, and etc. And and I, I, I and uh, I think Todd and Jay from Tokyo actually uh, helped guide a lot. But uh, what our original impression was actually. Uh, our an intention was to do a gathering among uh, fellow people who are TED enthusiasts to watch mm. videos, and yeah, maybe we have a bit of uh, local uh, presenters in just to spice up the thing. Uh, but that changed after the first event that we realized that uh, the local <laughs> content was a lot more important, and especially uh, after going to TEDx uh, Taipei, that that uh, inspired me a lot, basically. What was it about TEDx Taipei that inspired you? So we did it in our uh, then office space. That's a that's a conference area. It's about like uh, about uh, fifty old people, less than fifty. It's such a small event if you look back then. And uh, when we first saw TEDx Taipei, it's so amazingly organized. There was this beautiful venue. It's called uh, Huasan Creative Park. And uh, it used to be this old factory that has like vines and as oh, wow. so wow. so lovely. And we know we know we have to up our game. And uh, <laughs> and I, I mean we we also share we also learned a lot from them. And, and I think it's like from the from the second and third event on, uh, we we work a lot harder in terms of creating a better experience for our attendance uh, attendance and uh, audience basically. Did you go to Taipei between your first and your second TEDx? I think it's roughly around the second TEDx. Uh, mm. So we saw pictures, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, back back then there was there was only a few of us in terms of uh, so Flickr was easy to find, and then we saw pictures. We were like, whoa! And so <laughs> uh, Richard Shu uh, from Shanghai and. Uh, Todd from Tokyo actually had, uh, and Jason from Taipei actually had a gathering in Taipei but among TEDx organizers. Lara was supposed to be there, but uh, she couldn't make it, so uh, Salome came in her, her state, basically. Oh, so, um, yeah, I, I got to meet everybody at the summit. Last, were you at the TEDx summit? Uh, which one? The one in Doha? The, the one in Banff last year. Last summer. Oh, no, I, I didn't. I totally missed that. Uh, I really want to go. I know you guys had a really wonderful. Uh, you guys visited CERN, if I believe. Yeah, it was it was amazing because it wasn't just uh, TEDx organizers; it was translators and fellows and just regular TEDsters, you know, who had been going for a long time. And you know, the goal was to workshop the future of TED. So it was, you know, it wasn't where it's just about TEDx, where like TED Fest in a few weeks is just, you know, is mainly about TEDx, right? So, yeah. um, so how many, so it sounds like the, the Asian community of organizers is very tight and very supportive. Um, is it, would that be fair to say? Yeah. Uh, Especially, uh, I, I think it's mostly broken down into uh, organizers within the sub subcontinent of India, uh, Middle East, and also uh, there are clusters, but uh, 
we are pretty much connected and we do keep tabs about each other. <clears throat> we have, uh, in, in East Asia, we have WeChat groups where we are constantly uh, sharing about different stuff and ideas and etc. So, uh, I'm not, which is much more convenient for us over here compared to uh, going on the tab hub uh, sometimes. But yeah, that's that's how we keep in touch. So, and it's very near to fly it. Yeah, I know. It's well, Singapore is just, you know, an, uh, what, an hour flight, if, if that, half hour flight. Uh, Singapore from KL is roughly about 40 minutes flight. And it's, a, <laughs> it's a three hours drive. For yeah, me. right. So it's perfect. So you're going to be doing your ninth TEDx this year, or have did you some years do two of them? Uh, so uh, we broke it down to basically. Uh, uh, two major events. We used to do uh, TEDx Women with a, a different uh, partner who is a women NGO, but uh, most uh, every year we do a big event, which is uh, TEDx KL, and then we do a slightly smaller event, which is TEDx Youth. Uh, the key difference is the leadership in TEDx Youth is actually run by youth, uh, mostly between 18 and 24. Yeah. And us... Uh, and, and we act as mentor and safety net for them to uh, let them make mistakes and let them grow, essentially. What, um, how many TEDx's have you been to in the region? I, one of the things is uh, I found with organizers, we all love going to other TEDx events. I have lost count. Uh, <laughs> I, I have been to a lot, to be honest. And I, I find, uh, I, I try to find my, Tra- personal travel to coincide with a TEDx event. Right. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, the, but at least the past year, I've been quite busy. So, the, the past year, last year, I was in uh, TEDx Chiang Mai uh, over in Thailand. Yeah. Fantastic event. Uh, Martin oh. did a fantastic job. It was an amazing experience. One of the things that I found, and, and let's see if you uh, have the same experience, is when you go to a TEDx uh, as an organizer and of course you've let them know and you're you're they're expected it's like you have a backstage pass and it's like you're part of you know you're inside the club right so you get to be backstage you get to see what's going on and and to watch how someone else does all of the things that you do and you know kind of stand out of their way a little bit but for me it's uh, it's so much more fun uh, I guess because I just love producing so much that I just I like all the details. How about you? Uh, so yes, I, I do enjoy it, but I also try to force myself to just be an audience mm. instead of uh, getting in their way and etc. Like <laughs> we 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 know we do stuff differently and we do share in terms of our best practices and we observe, I mean we observe oh that's an interesting idea that you guys did this and etc. <laughs> But uh, I, I try my best to be an audience and uh, to to because I don't get to do, experience that in my event. I know you don't, right? You just that's uh, unfortunate. We create these great events and then we we watch the videos later. Yes, really unfortunate, <laughs> and it's, it's such a waste because I, I I can be in the same hall, but my mind is totally focusing on totally different thing and not this not enjoying the moment so I, I try my best to actually uh stay as an audience not not to uh, uh in some cases i do help out but that is only on the request of the organizers basically 
I love that. So I, I'm actually going to do that next. Uh, the next one I go visit, uh, which is probably in just two weeks. Um, I will be Ooh. an audience member. So I'll do that down in Long Beach. There's a, a TEDx at California State University. What, oh, nice. Yeah. What, it, what is it about? My, my wife is a speaker coach. So she, mm-hmm. she'll work with TEDx's and she'll work with, you know, all in this case, I think it was 12 speakers that she worked with. So does workshops and webinars and hangouts and that kind of stuff. So that, so it's very fun when you get to know these people to go down and watch them be successful and, and be excited. What, what is it about the KL event that makes it uniquely your own, makes it unique to the town? So we focus a lot uh about uh, ideas and people uh, around KL and in, in the sense that because KL is the capital of Malaysia, it, it, to extend Malaysia, uh, essentially our main purpose of existence is a discovery platform because uh, uh, we, as, as, as a very young country, uh, I, this is our 60th uh, year of independence and uh, extremely young uh, but our history uh, goes back about uh, five, six hundred years back uh, during the during the port of Malacca. But we have this lag because uh, Malaysia has been colonized quite a fair bit uh, by sure. by the Portuguese in the 1500s, uh, by the Dutch, then by the British, and there was the Japanese occupation in between. So we we lack a lot of uh, confidence in terms of our own capability and. Our event is really a showcase of, look, there are very amazing people, very interesting ideas and things that are happening in Malaysia. Uh, for example, we have a guy who is actually in uh, the finals of the Google Lunar X Prize. Uh, so oh. within this year, uh, he was our speaker last year. So within this year, he's going to launch a probe that will hopefully land on the moon and travel one uh, one kilometer, one mile, and yeah. So, and that's a Malaysian. That's a Malaysian. Yeah, I he was that. the only. I think he's the only Southeast Asian country that survived. That's uh, the but team that survived basically. And, and there was and, another Japanese team. And you had him on your stage. Yes, we do. Oh, we I love. Yes. I love that. What? Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I, uh, I get to travel to KL several times. My background's in computer animation. And oh, so nice. I had, uh, a bunch of, uh, guys in Singapore and KL. So, and I've judged contests there, computer animation contests. And so I, I absolutely love it. Tell me, uh, give me another example of how you focus on the, that local Malaysian culture. Uh, so uh, another thing is uh, uh, something that we uh, take a bit more conscious decision recently is to look at our performance and also uh, our experience. Uh, so uh, let me let me talk about performance. Uh, so traditionally, uh, our performance will be a bit more contemporary, but uh, in the past few events, we've been trying to source for uh, more look. Uh, sorry, uh, more traditional. Culturally traditional, or it, they could be modern, but it could be culturally traditional in origin. Uh, for example, hands percussion. Hands percussion uh, is this set of uh, 24 drums. Uh, have you ever seen, like, during uh, Chinese New Year, there's this uh, 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 
like lion dance where they, they there's this guy that be, or girl that beats the drum. So yes. imagine yes. 24 of them, but imagine a performance that is similar like Cirque du Soleil with uh, with like uh, like it's really dramatic. And so uh, hands percussion is so we tend to, we want to highlight a lot more about uh, local performance, and that is something that ties into uh, Amy Robinson's uh, TED X music project, basically. Oh. Tell me about that. I, I tell me about what's that. Uh, so Amy Amy Robinson, uh, I can't remember which TED she was, but uh, I think she spoke at TED too. Uh, she is she has a project with TED. Essentially, is to curate uh, different. Uh, there's a digital map that actually maps out music uh, tonalities, uh, beats, and etc. Uh, from all TEDx's around the world. And then she's creating this massive uh, catalog of uh, different performance and music and extra. Oh, I, I am, I almost want to stop our interview right now and go look that up, but I will make sure I look it up and I'll post it. I'll post a link in the show notes. That sounds fantastic. One of the, oh, no, you know, one of the things so, that's interesting to me, cause I've been going to Ted for 20 years and the, mm-hmm. the music, the entertainment, the E part of Ted yes. uh, is it's always spectacular in person yet those don't get released as talks because they're not talks, right? So you, you really only see that if you attend or you have a live license or something like that. Right. So, uh, and, and as individual organizers, we try to, you know, do local performance, right? That's a big, it's a big part of it, especially if you have a lot of very intellectual, very scientific talks. It's nice to have a little break in there with, with something, a performance. Yeah. But that, um, Amy is pulling all that together. Uh, that sounds, I, I love that. So let me switch gears for a second here. You know, I, I love that you're a mentor to the youth. I know how important that is and that you're a part as a regional ambassador. So you, I mean, you have to, by definition, understand all the various skills that one needs to have to be a master at organizing a TEDx event. I'm just going to give you that. So thank you. Uh, there's, there's still a lot to learn. Uh, I mean, in terms, we are proficient, but uh, it when in doubt, we actually leave it to the professionals. <laughs> well, well, what would you say if, if I were to say, uh, what's your superpower? Organizing, collaborating, producing, marketing, curating, or partnering? Which is the one you think you're best at? If I were to choose two, I, I would. If if I'm given the chance, but uh, sure, take I, two, take two. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll say primary will be curating, yes. and then uh, secondary will secondary will be marketing. Oh, so I you know I've talked to a lot of people about uh, curating. Usually comes up as a big one. Not a lot of people though have said their superpower was in marketing. What is it about the marketing that you have gravitated for that you're really good at? So, unlike uh, most places, uh, I mean, TED is still uh, relative unknown in this region. Uh, you can, 
probably you can probably go around uh, to speak to 10 people about three of them will know what TED talk is they will not know actually there's a conference that's doing that they thought uh, or they, they they will have different impression about what TED uh, I think TED the movie is a lot <laughs> more impressional to them so uh, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, education in our part especially talking to our audience and uh, and and the funny thing is, uh, we have a year over year fifty percent new audience that really, really, this is their first uh, contact with tech. So we got back up a second. Fifty percent year over year new audience. So you lose fifty percent, but then you gain. 50%. Oh no 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 no! We grow twice. We double. What? Every year. Yep. How many people are where you're 1,700? Oh, no, cut back up. Say that slow. 4,700. We had a, uh, we had a, oh, we, we played a stadium earlier, but then we had another venue that can fit above. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're just blowing my mind here, Daniel. What? Okay. So I talked to a lot of organizers. They're either first timers, their first couple of years, they haven't gone to a qualifying event. So they're still at 100. Obviously, you you know you keep doubling it. What are the unique challenges? Give me the one. What's the biggest challenge at running an event that large? Uh, so I think the main thing is you need to understand the scale, and uh, because it's not there's not a linear growth in terms of uh, how things go. There's a certain. Uh, uh, it's not the properly exponential curve, but there's a, a certain amount of curve that is actually gets harder. Like for example, the the venue costs get a lot more expensive as you go to a bigger venue because there you can find a lot of smaller venues that are available that you can get for free. And bigger venues, uh, there's only even like even in KL, there's only a limited amount of venue that can fit that size. And we played in all of them so far, and they are they they have a year waiting list. So, Logistic, everything extend over a year. Uh, so like planning uh, and it's outreach, uh, engaging the presenters. So everything drags on quite a fair bit. And uh, we, we are quite fortunate that uh, our uh, volunteers uh, and our core team members are, are really passionate to actually slug it out for a year. So that, that's, that's, that is that's something that a lot of people don't understand that uh, they thought that, like hey, it's a oh, it's just uh, you're just taking about like two months, three months to organize this. But yeah, uh, for like for example, we have to look for a venue in advance, way in advance, basically. If we are thinking about that scale, that that is, um, it's certainly. I mean, it's the biggest one of of anyone I've talked to to date. Um, what I'm not because I think there are. Two or three more in Argentina that are uh, larger than my event, basically. What is how big is your team? So, up at maximum, including all the volunteers on ground on the day itself, is actually about 150, 180. Uh, so, uh, but we do have uh, our core team that runs it, that we keep it about 50 or so like that. 15 or 50? Five zero. Oh my gosh! And how often do you meet? Um, so that's the beauty about technology. We we are constantly on chat. Right. So in person, in person, we try to meet uh, more often as the event comes uh, comes around. 
but uh, we have a uh, we we are, most of mo most of us are on uh, WhatsApp. Or we have a Slack group. We use uh, project management tool like Trello, and uh, yeah, there's so many moving parts and so many uh, different people who are running different things. Oh yeah. my gosh! So, yeah, it's it's just. I mean, my mind is completely. I'm thinking. I'm still. Mine is my event is 300, and it's as much as I mean. I I I'm thinking about the intimacy. So tell me, how do you maintain? There's something about that feeling close to the speaker, feeling connected. How how do you resolve that with that many people? So that's where the coaching actually comes to play. Uh, I mean, that's one element of it. But the other thing we we tend to do is we do uh, smaller. Uh, discussion session that is outside of the event workshops or uh, uh, different activities with the presenters. Uh, so, like for uh, for example, uh, we have uh, we we have a acting workshop with one of uh, the presenter who is actually an actor. He was sharing about uh, stage present, and he's also one of our presenter coach, basically. So we create moments that allow our audience to actually choose what moments they want to interact with. Mm. And <clears throat> these, these, are, these are either adventures that happen before the event. It could also act as uh, pre-marketing uh, kind of activities that if you are a ticket holder, you can come into this. And it allows, and also uh, we tend to actually have like uh, exhibition space for our presenters to showcase, uh, especially our past presenters, to showcase what they've been up to now, to give a certain follow-up uh, in terms of, hey, I, I spoke two years back. So this is what's happening now. So, yeah. Oh, now, see, I haven't heard that before. I was talking with Greg at TEDx Fargo, and his goal for his show next year is to invite all 150 speakers back and do something with it. But what what I heard from you, let me see if I got it right, is you have an exhibit space where past speakers are invited to come and kind of catch people up on what's going on. Yes, correct. Oh. So it could be a chat. It could be a, a, a fireside chat uh, during the break or uh, outside of the hall. It could be uh, uh, because of our, because of the scale of our event, we have a lot of uh, space to play around. Yeah, it sounds like it. What what you know? You gosh, you've done so much. Are there any surprises left for you? Uh, so there's like for example, we we decided not to play at any stadium because uh, again because it's uh, the, the again the intimacy is actually very important in terms of the connection between the speaker and the audience, and uh, that's where we actually had a switch in terms of uh, how we train our presenters. Uh, so even the presenter coach that we tend to look for uh, has generally two experience that we try to look. Uh, I mean, I train most of the presenters, but there is a, a whole team together that works with me. Yeah. The general two experience that they need to have is actually a <clears throat> uh, 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 background in uh, debate or public speaking. That's obvious. The second one they must have is actually a background in theater. So, uh, so we did a whole bunch of uh, so. The presenters go through acting uh, exercise to uh, be comfortable on stage, to be a bit more, uh, to treat it as a performance instead of just as a presentation. And is I, I love I love that we do the same thing here, but um, I'm thinking that 
when they walk out onto the red circle and there's 4,700 <clears throat> people looking at them, the, that's different than a hundred people looking at you. And I, and so you train them for that, right? So that they're not surprised. Yeah. You know how to do that. I love that. Yeah. What, um, so one of my favorite things about Malaysia is dragon boats and dragon boat races. Yeah. I love dragon boat races. Um, and in this case, there's always a dragon. I think of it as the big challenge. You know, what's the constant dragon that you're having to fight, uh, as you're, you know, running your event? I think for us, because of our decision to work with youth, uh, it's really about the the volunteer and the team. Uh, so the team tend to evolve, and uh, uh, some of them uh, have to further their studies or have a job or etc. So they have limited contribution, and uh, so there is a there is a notion of uh, in terms of passing uh, institutional knowledge and how we want to handle that and. Plus the fact that how do we bring in new ideas so it will not be stale, so we do not have certain assumptions of uh, things. So I think that's a very big challenge for us, especially an organization like us that has been going for a while. Because if you ask me and my uh, co-creator, Jason, uh, like, okay, this is how we do it. We, 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 in our mind, and we, we have a certain amount of it. But at the same time, we need to figure out how to keep it fresh and right. keep, uh, bring in new ideas right. and, uh, and be very inclusive. Uh, with our, especially with our youth uh, volunteers, uh, to get their ideas, to get their feedback, what works and what not, and 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 looking at that and embracing failures in terms of uh, yes, we we do take a bunch of hit once in a while. It's like oh that didn't work and etc. But okay, let's how do we how do we move on for that? How and how do we actually uh, figure out what works and then bring it uh, and share it with the the new blood that actually joined the team. I was able to talk to Herbert, who does TEDx PSU, ah, Penn State, yeah? yes. and he we we got into that discussion and and what he does is because he has a new workforce every year, <clears throat> right? Because it's all student, and uh, everybody has to hire their own replacement, and then they have a three week training period, and they're just in the middle of that right now, and they but it's taken them a while to figure out how to do that, so it's. Um, I get that's a challenge. Yeah, uh, I think that is what uh, TEDx Singapore does. Uh, so TEDx Singapore does that in terms of every every core team member have to hire their replacement. What we do is uh, we have a, a pairing system, basically. Uh, we have a more experienced volunteer and and that, that they have a co-lead that is slightly less experienced. And so that is a level of transition over there. Uh, but we might uh, we might switch things around and change it to the the uh, finding your own replacement uh, uh, model, basically. Right. That it, it's it is a struggle, right? Because you've got volunteers and you've got as many volunteers as you have, and a team of fifty. How many? Yeah, uh, we we have a dedicated person that uh, is like a HR that manage oh. volunteers. Oh, got it. Like. So they will manage the well-being, the, the, the schedule, like uh, who can't make it for this or whatever, uh, go through an interview process with the volunteers. And uh, yeah, we have a person that is dedicated, like a, a team that is dedicated for this role. What is your, um, what, what advice would you give or when you walk into a workshop, right? Because you've done a lot of workshops. Uh, what what's, do you think the number one piece of advice that you give to TEDx organizers? 
maybe new ones. So the the for new organizers, I would always say uh, under, the, a understand exactly what you want to do in terms of uh, because uh, a lot of new organizers tend to have uh, presenters that are very similar and try to basic and they will try to look at uh, different oh this person spoke at this TEDx uh, I want to invite this person and so try to be a bit more original in creating uh, original thinking so you can invite the same presenter but work with them to come up with a different topic, basically. Uh, uh, you do not want the presenter to actually appear or appear online to only have one dimension because a lot of these presenters have multiple, uh, multifaceted. They, they could be an expert in AI, but they could actually be uh, also written a children's book or something like that. So, oh, sure. uh, yeah, try try to try to bring that out from the presenters because I, I, I think it's a, uh, yeah, I think it's usually the new organizers are not doing enough homework to actually discover what these presenters can offer if you don't have any inspiration in terms of who do you want to invite. Uh, the second thing is to understand uh, finance, understand uh, cash flow, which is very important in terms of how do you handle, how do you handle sponsor, what do you have to pay in advance, what, do you, uh, what, what can you pay later, how do you negotiate with your vendors or, or etc. Because uh, uh, I... I I have spoke to a lot of uh, new organizers that run into issues like, oh crap, uh, the, the sponsor money is only coming after the event, and I have to pay my caterer. And and uh, like, how do you how do you do that? And we, we we try to encourage them to not touch the money, as essentially getting the sponsors to pay the caterer directly, and uh, to especially smaller events, that's very possible to get them to sort that one out. So uh, those, I think, those are the main two things that usually are my main two advice for new organizers. Yeah, I, I, uh, I would echo both of those. They're, um, very, very, the, the cash flow one is you're right. You know, it's like, well, I've got to, I've got to rent the hall and they need a deposit and then I've got to get money to hold my AV guys. And, you know, we, we all try to do as, as much as we can with as yeah. little resources as possible. Um, what, what are you looking, when is your next event? Uh, so we are looking around uh, September, October this year. So we are just trying to finalize the date a bit, uh, having a bit of negotiation with the uh, new venue because uh, uh, they are fairly new. So I think we are going to be one of the first event that's going to be played over there. And uh, so we'll keep you posted on that. Actually. What are you looking forward to the most? What's got you really excited about this year's event? So this, uh, as I mentioned earlier, this year is our 60th anniversary for our independence. So the, the team is very uh, much trying to give a snapshot in terms of uh, different decades and, and eras uh, from people who are doing stuff uh, in the past, uh, who are much more related to our founding fathers, and uh, which we, they, they are not alive, but uh, their descendants are alive of people who research a lot on that. Their oh, life. So, wow. Uh, yeah, so uh, so it's imagine imagine like for example, uh, you have a very intimate snapshot what's happening with the uh, the process of independence that in, in the states, but sure. because it's sixty it's sixty years ago, so it's really really short. So we can fi still figure the 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 youth uh, the younger audience might have not realized that in terms of that, uh, but the 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 a lot of the uh, 
some is still in memory of a lot of the older audience. Of course, uh, in, in of terms, course. Yeah, it's like what's going on and how they felt as a child when they actually heard our uh, founding father, uh, Tugabdur Rahman, announce the independence. And yeah, so I'm really looking for that. Uh, and, oh, that sounds uh, great. And we might be working with this uh, NGO uh, in Malaysia that is called uh, Think City, that they are doing uh, urban uh, rejuvenation around KL. So there might be some uh, 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 pop-up talks that might happen around KL, basically. Oh, oh God. I'm, I'm, I, I... Now, do you stream your event? Unfortunately, we don't. Uh, there's always an issue. Uh, we, so far, so far, uh, a lot of the venue has uh, issue in terms of uh, like streaming. Then we will not get the best quality out there. We will always try to actually put out a YouTube stream or something like that. But yeah, uh, most of the time we don't because it, there's always a level of time. Oh, so if you ask me, that's another thing that we always have. Uh, even one of our main partners is the telco. Oh, uh, the stream will always <laughs> the stream will break and. I think it's, a Mal- it's just a Malaysian thing. Like the stream will break, and then we have to fix the stream. And like, so, and if we if we test the venue and we are not comfortable, our way we will just script we we'll just script it basically. So we don't actually have a promise of streaming. We try a few times, and and halfway through that we got a whole bunch of tweets like, "Hey, uh, the the stream froze." I'm like what? Oh, shit. oh then, no! Uh, yeah, right. I know. Yeah, I, there I, we have. You don't need to be worrying about that. Um, while you're, you know, trying to produce your live event, I'm going to put a link. Uh, please send me a link to the video that your you think best com- kind of shows what TEDxKL is all about, and then I'm going to link that into the show. Just some, so we get a sense of uh, just. And I, I know it's hard to pick because you've done what 100, 150 different speakers. A lot, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, 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 I think I know exactly which one I, I want to present uh, because a, a lot of the a lot of the talks are actually very much uh, Malaysia related. So they are, uh, for example, we have a uh, we recently had a talk about uh, our national anthem and uh, the origins of our national anthem is such a myth, basically. Oh. Oh. So there was there was a talk, there was a talk about there was a talk about that and uh, that created a lot of conversation because there's this whole controversy because uh, uh, some claim that it was actually uh, based on a Hawaiian song, Maluna Moon, or a, or a song in the Seychelles, or, or there's a Japanese version of the song, there's a Cantonese version of the song that is in... Uh, and and the, the melody has actually uh, been around for ages. I, I can send you that. Uh, but I think the one that uh, most people will appreciate is actually Akasha. Uh, Akasha is this uh, multi-instrumental group that uh, combines uh, guitar to sitar to uh, tabla, and uh, it's really amazing. It's a lot longer than your regular thing because they went on. And if you (laughs) can see the video out there at the front, oh, that's hilarious. Do send me that link when we, when we uh, are finished here, because sure. I want to have that. What, um, so imagine that I have a global airline partner. I'm imagining I have a global airline partner that can send you to any TEDx in the world and you have the free time to go and you get to go anywhere in the world. Which TEDx would you like to visit the most? So, 
So this have changed over time, but currently it's actually TEDx Scott Base. Oh yeah, tell people where that is. So that is Antarctica. I so know, right down south, and uh, 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 Tran and. Uh, and uh, She's going to kill me if I don't remember her name. But yeah, the, the, the organizers, I mean, they're good friends. And I was like, oh, shit, I so wanted to go there. That is so amazing. Wow. That is, uh, I know that they live streamed that show. Yes, so they that, did. So that people could see it. And uh, actually, I'll make a link to that as well. Well, I want to, you've been really generous with your time. I have one last question for you. The, the show's called Hacking the Red Circle. And, you know, for us to kind of crack the code of how to produce these world-class events for, you know, with an all-volunteer crew and you have to raise every single penny that you have, there's there's a hack, which is different than advice. It was like this trick you figured out. What What's your best hack? Uh, so my best hack, um, okay, so my best hack is, Figuring out your key presenter and uh, building the talk, building the whole event around the, your key presenter. So you oh. always have a, you always have a, a one person that is. A, so majority of our presenters are unknown. Like uh, before we put them, uh, a, a lot of time before we put them on stage, only a certain community or a certain group of people will know who they are, etc. We try to expose them to a bigger uh, set of audience. Right. So uh, so, but you always one uh, one person. Uh, that stands out a bit more than the others that have a uh, more recognizable brand. And I think that's one of the reasons why we can grow 50% new audience uh, year over year because like, Oh, that's a very interesting presenter. You've made it that. And uh, use that as a, use that as a, use that as a foundation to build your other presenters around. So you can contrast with what he or she is presenting, or you can find similar thing that ties in together with that and use, use that uh, if you do not know where to start. I love that. That's a, we haven't actually gotten into in the conversations we've had so far, like how do you plan your sessions and how do you figure out where to put that person? And you know, how do you start? How do you end? How do you do each sessions? And there's, I know there's a lot of thinking that goes into that, but I love this hack, which is how you have that key speaker. Let me see if I got that right. You have that key speaker and you build everything out around that. So your marketing, your everything is built around that. So uh, a good example will be last year we had uh, Usman Riaz. So uh, are you familiar with him? Uh, no. He's, uh, he's the youngest pet fellow, basically. Uh, oh, okay. He's a amazing guitarist and started this animation studio over in uh, over in uh, Pakistan, Karachi. And we've been trying to get him, uh, in terms of scheduling and uh, trying to get him for a while. And and uh, so we would think that he's known for his, uh, his um, you can look for his talk, uh, his performance on, there's a performance of him doing fingerstyle guitar with Preston Reed in Tech Global, I think in 2012. And such amazing. So we were we were thinking, uh, okay, what's what's the team like? We like I, I ping Usman. Usman is available. So really early on, he's like, okay, I, I'm good. Uh, I'm actually launching a, a animation, a, a hand drawn animation project. And I want to share. I want to debut the the, the clip over in TEDxKL. And oh. so 
So we were like, okay, amazing. Uh, so we were playing around the team and the, the idea of resonance sort of stuck and then we, we sort of base it around uh, in terms of uh, what he's doing and we got different presenters that, that, that sort of fit into it. And another example would be uh, TEDx Youth uh, quite recently. That, that is a, uh, one of our key presenters. His name is Ernest Zakaria. He, he's a, a street artist, but he, his, art, his uh, new project actually use street art uh, graffiti to create awareness about uh, environmental, uh, uh, sorry, like endangered species. And we have, a, 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 we, we, we also brought in another expert that is the, his name is uh, John Payne. And John is the custodian of uh, the last three Sumatran rhinos in Malaysia. Wow. And wow. It, globally, there's only about 15, uh, like less than 15 Sumatran rhinos. It's so near endangered that some uh, conservationists actually will ask him to like, why are you doing this? You, you, you're fighting a fight that you can't win. Oh my god! And so wow. it will be a different idea in terms of what can he do to to do uh, to actually save this species. I love this. I can't. I'm going to put a link to all of your um, to your YouTube channel because it sounds like there's some fantastic shows that I've not seen that I want to look at. Daniel, I'm so glad you spent this time with us and that our listener hung in with us because that hack at the end was spectacular. And I wish Thank we you. wish you all the luck. And uh, if we find ourselves on the other side of the planet, we'll, we'll love to stop in and see everybody. And uh, uh, we, you know, get a lot of uh, that that good love that you guys have there. Sure, uh, you guys are always welcome. Just uh, I, I can share my email, so it's Daniel at TEDxKL.com. Uh, and just uh, drop me a note if you anyone is in town. We'll glad to show you guys around. Well, that's an open invitation, to everybody. So, Daniel, uh, thank you so much, and that's uh, from TEDxKL. Thank you. Thanks for having me. See you. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show, or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.